Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. I'd like to start our Bible study. I've always liked to kind of give maybe a thought-provoking question or two, right? And so I thought, well, this would be a good one. You go, well, what's the question, Ben? Let me ask you, let me ask you this, church. Do, do you... Do you visit people, friends, family, without calling first? You go like, what? Isn't that called the pop-in? Like you just pop in? Now, Now listen, listen. Here's the thing, right? There's a debate on the internet where some people think that in this day and age, with all the technology and everything we have, that there's no way you should simply pop in on somebody, right? I don't care if you're carrying a box of donuts or not. And, and, and one fellow writes this, right? And well, well, let me go back. Some people think that it's actually, as they go far as calling it rude to pop in. And yet some other people write this. It says, this one fellow writes, oh yeah, he says, I very seldom, if ever, call first. Though I'd never pop in at a late hour, no way. Phoning's a drag, and I'm not about to into making appointments to visit my friends. I imagine they all know this about me, yet I'm always welcome warmly into their home. I don't really expect them to entertain me, though. I'd rather entertain them. And if any of my friends would show up unannounced at my home, they would be welcomed with open arms for this pleasant surprise. So this dude's going, hey, listen, I just pop in, right? I'm going to, what's up, right? We're going to hang. And some of you with that face right there was like, I don't know. And, and another person writes this, right? I pretty much lost a friend over this. I called to talk. Uh, he called to talk about getting together later in the week. But then he announced he was right outside. I was in no shape for a visit. I had just woken up. I go to bed late. Uh, go to bed late, sleep late. I needed a shower, had been ill. It was in my pajamas. I basically told him to leave. Uh, that I was happy to get together with him, but not right now, not without warning. He hung around for half an hour whining about it and actually threw pebbles at my window. I haven't heard from him since. I think, guys, and, and again, he, here's a question. How do you feel about the pop-in? Pastor, I think they should call first, Right? Now, what we need to understand, it's, it is probably common courtesy to let people know you're coming by, even if it's for a phone call before you even show up. You know, something like a call or a text, you don't show up unexpected. Now, with that, let me just kind of tell you, several years, many years ago, that was just the norm, okay? Our grandparents and great-grandparents always had something ready they always had some sort of snack and the house was immaculate. But in this day and age, we are always fearful of the pop-in, right? You're always going, I can't believe somebody is going to show up unexpected. You never know what I'm going to be doing. My house is a mess. Are you kidding me? Look, there's laundry everywhere. I haven't swept. The dogs are inside. Are you kidding me? I don't need somebody coming to my house. Hello? Hey! You know, it's like, nope. Pastor, your point, well, understand this. When it comes to Jesus, he is, he is the ultimate gentleman. He announced beforehand that he was coming to earth. 
In other words, Jesus didn't just pop in on us. He didn't just show up. All of a sudden, there's Jesus walking on the scene. He didn't come in unannounced. And, and, and he gave people a chance to get prepared so that they wouldn't feel unprepared or completely awkward or uncomfortable. See, and to top it off, the Pharisees and the priests, they really should have known what time the Messiah was coming. They should have really had an idea. Yet they were too busy being religious that they actually missed his coming. So, before arriving on the scene, you know what Jesus did? Jesus made sure that everybody knew he was coming. You guys tracking with me? One person he actually called to be the forerunner for Jesus was none other than his cousin. We know him as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, right? His main ministry, this is what he was called to do. This was his purpose was he was coming to announce that Jesus was coming. Jesus was coming. So people, you need to be ready. And that's all, that's all his ministry was. And, and so he comes and he says, listen, John, who are you? And, and John says, listen, I'm just a voice. I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. He says, as a matter of fact, I'm just doing what the, I, the prophet Isaiah said. In other words, he's saying, Jesus is coming. People get ready. Jesus is coming. And John, guys, was Jesus's forerunner. Now, I draw your attention back to what we've talked about two, three weeks ago, the courtroom setting, okay? You've got the judge, you've got the prosecutors on one side, you've got the defendant. John gets up, he starts off his letter. He's just in an amazing theological man. He starts off with, and he just, this mic drop statement tells us that Jesus is God. Everybody freaks out. He calls creation into basically to testify. People go, nah, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Give us, tell us, call somebody with skin on. He says, okay, I call to you, who? John the Baptist, right? I call John the Baptist to the witness stand. And he's about to give his testimony. And the crowd, can you imagine, there's this, there's this murmur silence, if you will. The, pro- the prosecutors seem to be stunned. And I bet here's what they're thinking. What, this could, what could this bug-eating, camel-hair-wearing outcast tell me about Jesus? And you could probably, if it was modern day, you could probably hear them in the crowd going, you know, I used to be friends with John the Baptist on Facebook. Now I just unfriended him. You know, I just, he's just, an, I mean, what is he going to say? He's just, he's, he's, but, but listen, listen, I love the fact, guys, that John, he calls Jesus' cousin to the witness stand. I love that. You go, Why? Because John the Baptist, guys, lived a life in such a way that people were turning and coming to Jesus. He lived in that way. He always pointed people to Jesus. No matter what he did, hey man, that was a great sermon, John the I mean, no, no matter what, what, what John the Baptist did, no matter how he witnesses, people will just come and say, man, John, that was great. He goes, man, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Jesus can save you. Now, now listen, that's hard to do. Why? Because we all need a little bit of that approval, a little bit of that, hey, man, you're good. And we like that. We want people to go, hey, man, that was a great sermon, dude. You're like really gifted. High five. And you go, yeah, you know, praise God, praise God. You know, we, we sort of crave that. John the Baptist was like, no, mm-mm. it's all about Jesus. 
And the closer he walked to his cousin, the closer he walked with Jesus, the more he realized it was about Jesus. I love the fact, guys, that there wasn't a hint of compromise in the life of John the Baptist. Dude, you, you're eating bugs. Don't care. You're, you're chasing after grasshoppers. Don't care. I love Jesus. Well, look at your fashion. You got no fashion sense. Don't care. Wearing ham- camel hair. And I think about John, guys. He, he wasn't a guy that was on, on a stage. and He just performed no miracles and nothing spectacular about him. But he lived his life sold out for God that everyone knew who John the Baptist, and they were drawn to Jesus. You know his mission, right? He came to bear witness of the light that through him all might believe. All might believe. Now, if you're taking notes, you need to jot this down somewhere in your Bible. It's going to be good. In John 1, 1 through 18, it gives us what we call the incarnation of Jesus. And you can just put that somewhere. Incarnation of Jesus, okay? Of the only begotten Son. Now, from verse 19 through really chapter 4, verse 54, we're going to start seeing, seeing in the presentation of God's Son, right? The presentation. You go, what does presentation mean? Well, you can jot this down. It's really simple. It's a formal introduction of someone. Announcing, dun dun da da and then they would announce someone. That's the presentation, right? And that's exactly what we're going to see now for the next few chapters, okay? We're going to see the presentation. Now, today, church, we're going to see the presentation by John the Baptist. He's on the witness stand. He's going to say, I'm here to present you Jesus. Next week, we're going to see Jesus actually presented to John's disciples, okay? John the Baptist has some disciples, right? He is a discipler. They are disciple-ease, and now he's going to what? I love it. He's going to take his disciples, and he's going to point them to Jesus. But today, we're going to see this. If you're taking note, I'm calling this message, Who Are You? Right? Who are you? And i got to be honest. This is a question that they continually ask John the Baptist. Who are you? Who do you say you are? Who are you? Who are you, right? And, and, and I know if you're like me, when you hear this title, you're thinking, hey, wait a minute, isn't there a song like that? Who, who are you, right? It's actually sang in 1977 by a group called The Who, and they titled the song, Who Are You? And so I, just a little nugget of truth, I decided to go on the internet and see, really, what, what were they talking about, right? Well, check this out, right? According to the 1985 Pete Townsend, My Generation radio special, he says the song came out of a different, came out different than intended when Roger Daltrey sang it. Townsend said that the song became a prayer from a destitute man. The man was on the street looking up to the sky and asking God, who are you? So the song itself is 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 exactly describing mankind when they're lost and they're saying god who are you and i don't even think you have to be lost to ask the lord who who he is because there's times as believers we're going god i want to know you more who are you i want to walk with you even closer well in our text guess what church it was the jews the religious leaders of the day And they sent some men to do their dirty work, and they're going to go ask John the Baptist that same question. Who are you? Right? Now, in the song, you guys, anybody remember the song? It says, I really want to know, right? 
And, and I know it's playing in your head, but I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if they really wanted to know the truth. I, I'm not sure if they really wanted to know who John the Baptist was. And you go, why, Beth? Why, Pastor? Because th- they were not expecting the answer that John gave. You know why? Because they kept asking him, okay, really? Well, if you're not this, well, who are you? Well, if you're not that, who are you? Well, who are you? And who are you? And they kept asking. Well, with that as our intro, guys, let's jump into our text. John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, stands up and he says, hey, I call John the Baptist to the stand. And this is his rep. This is his testimony. Look at verse 19. It says, now this is the testimony of John. Who are we talking about? John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, here's the question, who are you? Who are you? Right? Now, you go, well, who, who is it that sent these guys? Well, there's a group called the Sanhedrin, okay? And they sat in Jerusalem, and it was their business to, whenever they saw something going on, whenever they saw somebody doing this great, amazing ministry, they go, hey, we need to find out if this dude's legit. So they sent a group going, go find out if he's, if he's for real, man. Go find out if he's actually should be, right? Go, go find out and, and examine him and, and try him and, and, and see if he's true or false. Why? Well, he looks like a prophet. I mean, the dude's got beard down to here, right? He's got bugs crawling all over him. I mean, he looks like a prophet, so we need to find out, is he a prophet? Is, who is he? And so they sent this group of messengers to interrogate him. And the persons who they sent were very likely part of their own body, part of the Sanhedrin. And part of the Sanhedrin were not only Pharisees, but there were priests and Levites. And so they come in, right? And so they walk in, and you notice in verse 19, here's their question, right? Really simple. They come up to John and say, John, who are you? Who are you? And I started to ponder this, right? I'm in my office, and I'm thinking, here are these guys. They walk up to John the Baptist. He's had this amazing ministry. I mean, he's just pointing people to Jesus, right? Jesus is coming. Be ready. Jesus is coming. And so they're like, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, dude. Who are you? And I started to think about this, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What would they do? What, what would they do if they asked us that question? Like, like you're at your job, right? There you are, and, and you're doing your stuff, and all of a sudden some you know, group of people come up to you and go, hey, so who are you? Right? I mean, of course, I mean, modern day, we'd be like, what do you mean, who am I? Right? Got my tag right here. I got my identification. What do you mean, who are you? But, but I want you to think about this, right? I want you to think about this. What would we say if we were asked the same question? And you go, Pastor, why? Why? Help me. Because I think a lot of times we do not understand what we should do as Christians because we don't understand who we are as Christians. Let, let me say that again, right? A lot of times we do not We do not do what we should do as Christians because we don't understand who we are as Christians. Okay, let me expand that for just a minute, okay? The the committee of the Sanhedrin put the question, they they, they questioned him sharply, and here, here, here was their point, right? They were wanting John to define his claims concerning Jesus. Who are you? Are you him? Do you know him? What's going on? Right? They were wanting to define him, right? To for him to define his claims. See, John has been witnessing, he's been announcing Jesus, guys, get ready, get ready, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, and, and I thought, well, if the people asked us, who are you, I bet they're wanting us to define our claims about Jesus. Why? Because we stand up and we say, we're, help me, church, we're Christians. We're Christians. Okay, well, who are you? I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Christ. Who, who are you? And I think if John the Baptist's mission was to 
witness the light, shouldn't that be our mission too? You go, what's that? Well, our mission should be that, that in our day and age, that we're going to be announcing, guess what? The coming King Jesus. You see, he came once, and he came as a little baby in a manger. But when he comes back again, it's not going to be the same thing. Our job is to say, guys, people get ready. Jesus is coming. And we're announcing that. Now, the problem is, guys, is we can take something very good and we can, help me, we can distort it, can't we? We can take, say, Jesus is coming and we can make it to where all the attention is on us and Christianity as a whole gets a bad rap. So we need to tell, we, we just need to do what we do because of our love for Christ and people will see a difference in your life They'll see that difference, and they'll, they'll go, man, what, what, what's, what, what's up with you? And you just point them to Jesus. That's really all witnessing is. It's, that's all it is. You go, okay, I'm going to point people to Jesus. Now, listen, church, it doesn't, have, now, it doesn't mean that we have to be a bug-eating, camel-wearing presentation to let our family and friends know that Jesus is coming back. We don't have to do that. You go, well, how can I, here's the question, how can I let my family and friends, co-workers, know that Jesus is coming back? You ready? The believer who reveals Christ by the way he lives by the way, guys, listen, by the way you move, by the way you walk, by the way you talk, what you eat, you read, a thousand other details of life will probably do more in pointing to Jesus than you actually saying, Jesus is coming back. Think about it, right? I mean, think about it. We could all get sandwich boards. We could all get bullhorns, and we could all get in separate corners of, of Lubbock, Texas, and we go, and we could just announce it. We can just announce it, we can announce it, we can announce it, but here's what they're looking for. They'll just drive by, ha, honk, and they'll keep going, but when we live our life in such a way, listen, when we live our life in such a way where people are just intrigued, and they'll come and ask you, what, you know, what's, you're different, what's going on? Man, I would have totally blew up at that situation and, and, and you handled it like a champ. And you go, man, it's not me. I got to tell you, it's, it's God's Holy Spirit. What? God's Holy Spirit living inside you? What do you mean by that? Well, you see, back in 1984, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I surrendered. I felt him and I knew that I was on my way to hell and, and he saved me and, and, and I have this relationship with the God that created me. And now that I have this relationship, man, things are different. Can you explain it? I wish I could. I just know it's different. I just know it's different. And see, from then on, man, I've just been learning God, and I've been walking with him, and we have this amazing relationship, and I can talk to him every day, and he talks back to me. God talks back to you. Absolutely. Wait, wait, you're talking about this big spirit God is talking to you? Yeah, isn't that cool? And he can talk to you too. No way. Yeah, he can. And what are we doing at that point, guys? We're pointing to Jesus. Now, the one thing we don't want to do, listen to me, church, is send mixed messages. We want to make sure that our walk matches our talk. I'm not saying being perfect, and I'm not saying we have to be part of the law. I can't do anything. I'm a Christian, and we can't have fun. Do you want to be a Christian too? I'm not talking about that, right? Because that's how, that's how they lump Christianity in. How are you doing? Good. 
Did you laugh? I can't laugh. Christians don't laugh. I'm not talking about that, guys. What I'm talking about is living life in such a way, but not giving mixed messages. Not saying one thing and doing another, but living our life just just focused on him. People have a problem with you. That's because they're, they have a problem with God. Because not, there's not a one of us that claims to be perfect. There's not a one of us that claims, I'm, I gave my life to Jesus, I'm perfect. Really? Absolutely. I don't think so, dude. It's not anything about that. It's about living our life to Jesus. So, John, yes, sir, who are you? And I love it. Look at verse 20. He, he tells the truth, man. I love that. He tells him the truth. So he confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed. He says, I'm not the Christ. That is the anointed one. I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. And so that, they weren't satisfied with that. Look at verse 21. And they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, nope, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And they said to him, like, like that wasn't enough. Notice, they keep, they keep interrogating him, right? Then they said to him, well, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Now, let's break this down for just a second, right? Because they ask him a question, he answers, and that's not enough. They keep on. He goes, okay, are you the Christ? He goes, I'm not the Christ. Here's why. For John, it was unthinkable, guys, that attention would would focus on himself because he was not the Messiah. His job was to point to Messiah. Are you the Christ? No, uh, but I'll point you to him. Well, what then? Are you, are you Elijah? Well, it might be easy for the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to associate John with Elijah because of his personality and because of the promise there in Malachi chapter 4. Verses 5 and 6, if he is the forerunner for the Messiah, then, for the Messiah, then is he Elijah? And I mean, in the sense, he's ministering in the spirit of Elijah, but he says emphatically, nope, I'm not Elijah. Well, then you must be the prophet. This refers to God's promise through Moses back in Deuteronomy, but you know who he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Now, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, they didn't know that the prophet meant the Messiah, the Meshach, the Christ. They said, this prophet is coming. We're looking for the prophet. Is it you? And what does John the Baptist say? Nope, it's not me. Well, who are you? Notice what he says in verse 23. He says, man, I'm a voice. I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah had said, I love that, right? I was thinking about this this morning. And, and, and you, know what, you know what John the Baptist says? I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice. What's your mission? I'm just a voice. And, and, and you know what? Listen, I'm just crying out. I'm crying out. And here, here's, my, here's my message. You ready? Make straight the way of the Lord. You go, well, Pastor, what does that mean exactly? Well, 
John sees himself as the forerunner. You guys got that? He's coming to announce that Jesus is on the scene. He's not going to pop into your house. He's not going to come over the late hour. He's not going to, he, he's, he's coming. You got to be ready. Get your house ready. And here's the idea, right? When he says, I am the voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Here's his idea. Here's his rap. You ready? He says, get cleaned up, get ready for a royal visit. Jesus is coming. He had the idea as, as the king came through the town, make it straight, they would move rocks out of the way. So, I mean, it, the king had to have a smooth path. There might be big boulders and the guy, the forerunner would go, oh, I need to make sure that the path is very smooth so the king doesn't tip over, top over, get stuck or get left behind. And so that's all John says. He says, listen, hey, um, that's what I am. I'm, I'm a voice. And, I, and, and here's my rap, ready? Here's, here's what I'm saying. Make straight the way of the Lord, just like, just like the prophet Isaiah said. Now, I love this. Why? I mean, it just blesses me because he's doing exactly what Scripture told him to do. Isaiah said, this is what you need to do. He says, that's what I'm going to do. Now, let's talk truth, okay? Can we talk truth for just a moment? Here we are in 2017. It's getting closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. It, it just is. I don't know if we can ever look on the news and see what's going on in our world and not think, man, that we're living in this, this, this pressure cooker of a world. And the Bible says, woe to you who call evil good and good evil. And we see that all over the place. We're in this. I mean, and, and so, I mean, I just, you go, pastor, you're supposed to say that. You're a preacher. You're supposed, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm serious, man. I'm serious. I mean, if, if we last another 10 years, I would be surprised. But, you know, praise God. I mean, here's the thing. He's still in the saving business. And, and he's long-suffering, and we could be here another 10, 15, 20 years. I doubt it, my opinion. But let's speak truth, guys. Let's speak truth. Can I tell you this? Jesus is coming back for his church. He's coming back real soon. And he's coming back. Now, listen, the Bible says he's coming back with the, for, for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. And the truth behind this is that I think we also must get must be get ourselves cleaned up just as well, right, before he returns. You go, Pastor, does that mean I have to work to clean myself up? How, how do I clean my... No, 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 listen, we don't clean ourselves up, we allow him to clean us. You go, how? Really, let's be straight, okay? By surrendering to him and putting our faith and trust in him. When you make that commitment, guys, to step and say, guys, I'm going to surrender everything to God. I'm going to walk in him. Something is going to happen in your heart. Here's what's going to happen supernaturally and spiritually. Jesus is going to come in up and take residence in your heart. And then he begins guiding your actions and your decisions. And when you do something that you were used to doing, and all of a sudden you feel something you hadn't felt, like, oh, I think that's wrong. That's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's a beautiful thing. Why? Because now you're being controlled by who he is. And that means you're being cleaned up. And I love it. You're being cleaned up by, in the inside. And once Jesus comes into your heart, guess what happens to your sins? All your past sins are gone. You mean, you mean what I did back in 1988 is gone? It's gone. I have to worry about that? It's gone. You mean what I did last week when I really messed up and I said a bad word and I said two bad words and I said, yeah, it's gone. Well, what about, what about next week? 
All your future sins are gone too. See, he cleans us up. And that's what he's talking about, guys. Walking him, walking with him daily, loving on him. Well, notice it goes on in verse 24. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Well, if you're not Christ and you're not Elijah, and he says, Why then do you baptize? If you're not Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. And John answered them, saying, Well, guys, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. Okay? I want you to picture the scene, right? I want to I communicate this as powerfully as I can. Okay? John says, Listen, they're coming to him and said, Who are you? Right? Who, who, who? Right? They really want to know. And all of a sudden he goes, Listen, I'm just a voice. And they go, Well, why do you baptize then? What's going on with you? If you're not the Christ, what, what's your ministry? Now, here's why. Listen. The Jews in John's day practiced baptism. It was an outgrowth of ceremonial washings, okay? So they practiced it. But the Jews of the time typically reserved baptism for Gentiles who wanted to become Jews. So for anyone to submit to John's baptism was actually putting themselves on the same level as Gentiles. They actually had to humble themselves and go, I'm exactly what the Gentiles are. I am a sinner. So the Jews here, you can see why they're freaking out. They're like, what? What? I mean, seriously. He says, um, why do you baptize? I mean, what's going on? He says, if you're not the Christ or Elijah. He says, but listen, I'm, I'm baptizing with water, but there comes one that you do not know. And he, look at verse 27, and he who is coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. And these things were done in Bethbara beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing, okay? Now, I want you to catch this, okay? He says, now, listen, there's a guy coming. He's coming. Listen, he's, he's coming to your house. He's coming. You ready? He's coming. And he says, and he is so preferred before me. He says, I, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal straps. You go, what does that mean? Untying, guys, the strap of a sandal, it was typically done when you went into somebody's house as a way of greeting, and they would wash your feet, okay? They don't have shoes like we have. They don't have socks. They used to have sandals, and the streets of Jerusalem were dirty. And so when you walked everywhere, okay, your feet would get dirty. When you went into somebody's house, they would take off your sandals. You go, who would take off my sandals? The lowest servant in the house, the lowest slave would take off your sandals. There'd be a water and they'd wash your sandal. They'd wash your feet. And then you were able to enter inside the house. John, he, he's coming. He's going, listen, you know, you know, Jesus, he says, I'm not even worthy to do that. I'm lower than the lowest servant. I'm lower than that. If you're taking note, I think this is a good place to put, man, he walked in humility, don't you think? Guys, one of our core values is love God. You know that. You have that on the t-shirts. We love God. We love people. We live radically. But a, but a, but a sub-core of this value is really simple. It goes like this. It's all about Jesus. We will preach the gospel with all of our heart, then die and be forgotten. Because it's all about Jesus. 
See, John didn't bring any attention to himself. He wasn't going, hey, look at me. Big ministry. And this is what makes me so angry of those television preachers that, that draw so much attention to themselves. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Woohoo! I'm flying around in this and this. I mean, all of this stuff and it's going, no, no, even, I mean, take about, look at this. Here, here's John the Baptist, one of the greatest prophets Jesus said, and he's going, I, I'm lower than the lowest servant. And of course, there's John, on, and, and, and you can imagine the courtroom, they're just like this. And they say, well, tell me more, right? So as John continues to present what's going on, the scene changes in the courtroom for just a minute. Well, the scene changes in, in his testimony. Look at verse 29. He says, then the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said comes after me, a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now that is power packed, chocked full of great truth. You go, why? Because I love first and foremost that John, right, doing his business, he's being, he's being interrogated and Jesus shows up the next day. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad? Jesus always comes when we need him the most. John says, you know what? The next day he says, Jesus showed up, man. And, and, and Jesus is walking to him. Now, here's what I want you to see. What was his rap, right? He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, to you and I, we're like, yes! Jesus was the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, right? We love that. Now, we do our study, and we know, we know the sacrificial lamb. We know how the whole, uh, in, in, in Judaism, we know how that was taken in the, in, the, in the temple and all of the sacrifice. So when John points out he is the lamb of God, I mean, this was it. This was the only one. But I want you to see something a little bit deeper. You go, what's that? I want you to see, when John says to everyone, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, at the very dawn of the ministry of Jesus, he's greeted with the words that would actually remind him of his destiny. Think about it. He's going, hey, there's Jesus, the Lamb of God. He's going to go to the cross. You go, why is that? That's crazy. Can you imagine? Why? Because in our DNA, we go, hey, how's it going? How are you? How are you doing? That's our typical greeting, right? Fist bump, high five, whatever we do. That's how we are. Hey, what's up, man? You know what John says? John goes, hey, there's Jesus. He's going to die a horrible death for our sins. And I'm just like, wow, what a greeting. He reminds Jesus that, that there's a cross in his future. John goes on in verse 31, and he says, Man, I didn't know him. I didn't know him. What do you mean you didn't know him, John? No, 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 I knew him as my cousin, and I knew that was Jesus, right? And I knew it was Mary and Joseph, and I got that, but I didn't know him. I didn't know him. but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Church, we, let's just take, a, just take a moment, guys. I think, and I think it's so important. You'll hear me say it a thousand times, guys. There's a lot of people who know all about Jesus. They don't know him. 
They've never had a real encounter. Their hearts, I mean, the, the scales of the, uh, on their eyes are still there. They know all about them. They can quote scripture. They can tell you where it is. They know the address of certain uh, scriptures in, in, in the Bible, you know, Deuteronomy 6, and they'll just, they'll just throw all this stuff out, and we go, but do you really know Jesus? And they don't know him. They've never experienced him. They don't know the true peace and comfort that he brings each and every day as we walk in this life. He says, but, but I, want, I, want, I want people to see him, and that's why I came baptizing with water. Verse 32 is, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained upon him. And I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the dove descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now, before we close, okay, a couple more minutes, I'm going to close. I want you to see, God told John the Baptist, when you come, when Jesus comes, now Jesus came to be what? To be baptized, didn't he? But he did it. He didn't do it like the Gentiles, and, and he didn't do it coming to say, I am a sinner. What he did is so, so scripture would be fulfilled that he was still fully God and fully man. And so, so God says, hey, John, yes, sir? When you see this, when you see the Spirit like a dove, the Holy Spirit is going to be like a dove, come and rest upon him. This is the one. This is the one. And he says, and this one is going to baptize you and baptize everyone. Notice what it says. Who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody put on your brakes. Okay, here's where it gets crazy. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. I heard about that. Now we're just going to get crazy. No, 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 no. Let me say this, okay? Baptism of the Holy Spirit is crucial in the life of a believer. We've taken something good and we've distorted it. And that's why people back away. Well, I saw someone, they said they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in a language and they were running around and they were swinging from the fan blades and it scared me. And so I said, I'm never going back to that church. And, and, and I mean, and, and this one guy, he was trying to hit me on the forehead and tell me to receive. And it was nuts. And guys, I've seen it all. And I've seen them take what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they were laughing all over the place. And they were just uncontrollably. And some of them were roaring like lions. And that is not, a, that is not what it is. The baptism, guys, of the Holy Spirit is when you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to help you be witnesses for Jesus. And I'll give you one good evidence that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You go, what's that? It's love. Well, I thought it was speaking. I heard a denomination say it was speaking in tongues, that if, that if you're not baptized until you're speaking in tongues. No, because not everybody speaks in tongues, but they're still baptized in the Spirit. I'll tell you the true definition is when you love. And there's this genuine love in your heart for people and for the things of the Lord. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when it's used is that you'll start a conversation and all of a sudden the Spirit will come upon you and he'll be giving you the words to say and you're freaking out because you don't remember studying the Bible that way, but you're telling them scripture and they're looking at you and you're actually pointing people to Jesus. We can't be afraid of it, guys. We have to have it. Okay? 
the Greek prepositions, and as you come through when it deals with the Holy Spirit, the first one, right, is the Greek word para, P-A-R-A. It's when the Holy Spirit is coming alongside you. The Holy Spirit, and it kind of encircles you, right? And it kind of convicts you and brings you to a place where you go, oh, I, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. See, when people get saved, it's always a work of the Holy Spirit. I don't care how eloquent you are or what kind of pastor or, 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 or anything else. It's always a work of the Spirit. That is why, church, I am not afraid to give an invitation when there's five people or there's 500 people. Why? Because it's not my work. The Holy Spirit's already working. When people accept the Lord, right, then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside them. The Greek word is E-N. It comes inside, and now he lives in you. And that's the one. It's not your conscience anymore. You're not, you're not led by your feelings anymore. You're led by the Holy Spirit. He's inside you. But then the last is a, a word, it's, it's, the Greek is, is epi, E-P-I, epi. It's the epi experiences when the Holy Spirit comes upon you for one purpose. It's never to bring attention to you. It's always to witness for Jesus. It's not something we should be afraid of. John says, listen, I baptize with water, but he's coming to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when we do baptisms, of those of you who got baptized this past, I said, I'm going to pray what, that God baptizes you with the Holy Spirit just as well. And we'll baptize you in water as a sign of identification, but he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit for what reason? So that you can be what? So you can be a witness and you can point people to Jesus. And I have seen and I have testified that this is the Son of God. Can you imagine? That's exactly, I mean, the courtroom's going, not a, I mean, we saw creation testify. Now, John the Baptist is like, I have seen it. He came, this is exactly what he said. This is what's happening, man. Any questions? Now, let's close with this. John, on the test, on, on the witness stand, if you will, in life, there in Bethbara, he knew what to say to point people to Jesus, right? He knew exactly what to say. And he says, this is my testimony. You go, what's that? Well, number one, this is what John did. He told them what happened to himself. He told them of his own experience concerning the Lord Jesus. And the next day I saw John, I saw Jesus, and I said, behold, the Lamb of God. He told people to get ready because Jesus was coming. And he told them to look at the Lamb of God because he takes away their sin. That was his message. I think it's important we follow John's example, don't you? You go, like what? You, you want to be a good witness? Here's the first thing you should do. Just tell people what happened to you. Just tell them what happened. Tell them of your own conviction of sin and need of a Savior. I'll never forget one time I got invited to dinner in Missouri at my friend's house and Nathalie and I went and the kids and they were talking about miracles. And I think it was an accident and, and they had survived. And man, they were like, man, that was a, it was a true miracle. They, we, we were in this accident. The car was totaled. We walked away. It was a miracle. And I smiled and I said, you want to know another miracle? And they're like, yeah. And I said, it's when Jesus Christ saved me. You could have heard, you could have heard a pin drop. But I was just telling them of my own conviction and sin in need of a savior. And then I went on to tell them, guys like us, we tell them how Jesus has changed your life. 
How has he changed your life? See, we forget that sometimes. Sometimes we've been walking with Jesus so far, we forget how he really changed my life. Sometimes you're, you're on this end of Christianity, you've walked more with Jesus than when you were, and you forget how Jesus changed your life. But let me say this, not only in the past, but how he continually changes your life in the present. I was sitting at my desk on Friday, and I got a call from a pastor friend of mine, and I was able to just share with him how God is continually growing me, even, even after so many years in the ministry. And it was so beautiful to be able to go, you know, I'm just growing. It's just amazing. Guys, I think we need to tell them how, tell them of the assurance you have for heaven, how you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you are at all in Facebook, you're scrolling up and down and you'll see people post something about heaven and and you could always ask yourself, do you know? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died today you'd go to heaven? And I always say absolutely. Why? Because of Jesus, not me. Because I'm I'm standing upon the word of God and I'm walking by faith, but I know one day my faith is going to turn into what? Sight. Because I'm gonna everything I believe is gonna just I'm gonna see it at one point and go, wow. Guys, we should always be directing them toward the Lord Jesus. Number two, I mean we need to tell people to get ready, huh? Get ready. Because people don't know when they'll die. Are you ready? Or we don't know when the, when the Lord Jesus may return. The Bible says no one knows the day or the hour, but he knows he's coming. It ain't a pop-in. He's coming. And number three, tell people to look to the Lamb of God who died for their sins. Tell them to believe in the Lord Jesus and be forgiven and saved. That's all we got to do. Tell them what happened to you. Tell people to get ready and tell them to look to Jesus. Simple. That's all we got to do to witness. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you for the testimony of John the Baptist. God, may we take what we've learned today and apply it. Our family, our friends, our co-workers, they're needing to be saved. And you've gifted everyone here with a beautiful personality to share you in such a beautiful way. And so, Lord, may we have your spirit. May we be filled with your spirit, baptized with your spirit to tell people what happened to us, to tell people it's time to get ready and to show them Jesus. So Lord, that's our prayer this morning. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. 
I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.